Hello, this is Elizabeth Copeland of Grief Dialogues, and we're here today with the inaugural podcast of our Compassionate Culture podcast for healthcare professionals. And today we are talking with Peggy Dickens. And Peggy, I'm so honored that you could be here today. Would you give us a little background about yourself? Thanks, Elizabeth. Um, well, I am a counselor and a coach. Um, I work with individuals and couples, um, and I have, um, I use a lot of attachment theory as well as a lot of somatic experiencing, um, transformation work. And um, what that means, quite frankly, is a mind-body connection. So we really, we, we think we really rely on our mind and we really have the answers in our body. So I, it's constantly trying to get those two connected so that healing can take place. Um, I do work with a lot of healthcare providers. Uh, it has been a focus of mine, um, specifically working with physicians and, and ARNP um, type level. And I've probably been doing that for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And well, I come in in a, in a more of a, uh, coaching slash counseling versus counseling slash coaching uh, capacity in the healthcare for the healthcare profession. Yes, yes, for the providers. Okay, and have you noticed uh, a shift or a mental toll in what's happening right now for healthcare professionals given the pandemic? Yes, um, you know, uh, for the most part. I think most of the providers feel that they've been trained for something like this. This is what they've been training for their entire lives, if you will. And there's a real sense of let's get this done. Let's, let's figure this out. I think it's confusing because they don't have data uh, based on their past experiences and, and other uh, research, but, and they usually do. That's usually how they provide. So this is a challenge, and because of their, you know, high intelligence, they like the challenge. The load is hard. You know, the load of, of the unknown is hard. The load of telehealth is hard, um, and trying to figure out the best possible next steps when there really has been no history. Mm-hmm. So that alone has just been, a, I would say, fatigue. You know, there's a lot of fatigue and a lot of um, a lot of um, I'm just I don't want to say grief at this point, but um, that's not what I'm seeing the difference be yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I will say I did speak with the provider yesterday. And we're probably three or four weeks into our um, stay in place order. And their comment was, this week is better. This week is better. This week is better. I finally got color back into my face. I'm more rested. Um, But this group of people, you know, they're hardy and resilient. and, And this is a challenge. And they absolutely love challenges and it's scary because they have their own families they have their own concern of their health um but there's still that that 
thread of this is the, let's get this job done. Right, right. I'm uh, grateful for that thread. Actually. Yes. Oh, yes. I I've actually been reading a fair amount that says the the emotion the, the physical fatigue is getting them more than the emotional and. Uh, I, over and over again, I've seen doctors saying, we've, we've trained for this. You know, yes, they have. This is it. This is... we trained for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, though, that there might be some, at the end of all this, some PTSD? I know some nurses, or P PTSD, yeah, that's right. I know some nurses who are a little, you know, they, they too were trained for this, and, you know, they're going at it full, full throttle, but they're Absolutely. a little afraid of what, uh, they're going to be feeling or dealing with after this is over. And I just, I wondered if you have any concerns about that, even if it's not being expressed by your clients yet. Uh, of course. Yes. Um, I think that it, it is, that's, that's one of the beauties of doing work somatically is because if we can process this and get it out of our bodies uh, at some point, right, then it might be that it will be less triggering as the time goes forward. And I also think that, you know, knowledge is power and we don't have the knowledge. So once we start getting knowledge and data and understanding of how we're going to all cope with this medically, spiritually, all of, we're going to start gathering that information and coming up with our plans. That will be helpful. It's that it's so far we just haven't had the darn plans in place because we it's been moving too fast and we didn't we didn't plan ahead, right? So, uh, unfortunately, we all know that. But um, I think I am concerned. I am also very hopeful because people are. These, this is not the days when we don't talk about it anymore. Right. Right. We talk about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful because I was just looking at my emails and I'd gotten an email asking for my credentials, what, I, what populations I serve, um, and my mode of, of therapy or modes of therapy. And it was put together by uh, Seattle Children's uh, Hospital. And they're going out on a statewide basis, creating a database for communities to be able to draw on. Wow. So then, yes, yeah, so then this will go out to providers, of course, because we know that the body will break down and our mental health isn't well. So I think it's, I think that, again, we're back to, this is not, this is, this is such a better time in our evolution of a, a society because we mental health is not a a no no right mental health is not something we don't we can't talk about we have to talk about it and we all know we have to talk about it. right but when a nurse says oh my god i'm not sure i can go to the office or i can go to the to the hospital i'm too afraid mm -hmm. he can say it mm -hmm. or he can say it they don't have to hide it they don't have to you know, have a, a sense of if I, if I am transparent here, I'll be, I'll be, um, criticized. I'll be, I'll be out. Right. We won't, we won't have that. Right. It's really great. Actually. That is, that is great. Actually, I'm glad to be talking to you because I get moments myself of a little being fearful and, uh, sad. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Going on. And to know that there are 
you know, the medical profession is as resilient. And I knew that, but hearing it from someone who really knows is, is extremely helpful. So thank you for that. You uh, bet. Yeah. So, um, so I've also read that there's a possibility of a second pandemic. Um, one would be around mental health, not just medical providers, but, you know, the population in general. What do you think about that? And what can we do about it ahead of time, do you think? What can we prepare for? Well, I think I was encouraged by, you know, with the Seattle Children's Hospital taking that lead. I think, I think the states need to take that lead. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I think it should be a state. I'm not sure who did this, you know, initiation, but Seattle Children's is is putting it together. So perhaps it's a, a coordinated effort, but I think that must happen. The other part, yes, I agree. There probably will be um, some mental issues because we don't know, right? This is where we're walking into a completely foreign land and we don't know, we don't know how we're going to reopen. We don't know what that's going to look like. There's just so much we don't know. And, and as a species, we really don't like that. Right. And so then we get all out of sorts yep. and we take it out all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. And I think what I love the best, Elizabeth, is when you said, you know, I have a little fear. I have sadness. And to me, that's the important part. Like you're not denying it. Right. This, these are real. These are, these are, uh, we are all sharing it. We're all in this, you know, that per proverbial, you know, one-liner, we're in this together. That's the no kidding. Right. And the unknown is where we're in it together, right? right? And so for me to be able to say, gosh, Elizabeth, you know, I'll be walking down the street and I burst into tears mm -hmm. for no apparent reason. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, there it is. And that's great. Right. It doesn't feel good at the time. I get quite scared that I'm, I'm not going to stop crying. I'm never going to get out of this. Holy schmoly, what am I going to do? But if I know you do that too, mm -hmm. right. then right. it becomes, this is normal processing. We shouldn't ever, ever, ever push it down because this is normal. This isn't, this is, this is, um, this is really where we're going to count on each other. Right. Well, that's with grief dialogues that was more or less our, our goal was to demonstrate in through theater and, and through film the basic you are not alone yeah. type feeling you know so whether you saw a play that resembled a, a situation of grief that you yourself went through or something similar you know the, our message was to, to all people you're not alone in your grief you're not alone in your sadness so that that's spot on well um, and we know that isolation which we're all coping with in one form or another right is one of the biggest um instigators of mental illness yeah right yes and so that is sort of the cool thing now is what we are set as a species we're very resilient mm -hmm. and so what we figured out are these zoom meetings right or the zoom cocktail parties or you know, uh, last week or the week before, when there were seders, people were having seders together, right? And then they had Easter dinner together, right. and everybody made their. It's a it's a very easy cocktail party, right? But you get to connect, and you know, it might be that seeing that other person's eyes, mm -hmm. all you need, 
And so, you know, I think we need to figure that out and reach out more to those people who are truly, truly isolated mm -hmm. that we know in our neighborhoods that live alone, that might not have extended family mm -hmm. and they're scared. You know, this is what, and I, it, we've heard it and heard it and heard it that people are knocking on somebody's door and say, I'm going to the grocery store. Can I get you something? You know, that can last several weeks, that connection. Yes. That, yes. It's something. Right, right. And that also reminds me, I'm a, she was my best friend when I lived in L.A. and we've stayed connected ever since. Uh, she just lost her husband in, uh, in November and she was going to have the memorial in May. And, but uh, she's all alone now and I need to reach out to her. So thank you for that reminder. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. We all need to, we all need to be reminded because we forget because we think about how we feel. And, and I love the Zoom is actually kind of fun. Like you said, these meetings, <laughs> cocktail parties, we had um, the first night of Passover also happened to be my sister's birthday. And my sister is staying in Seattle and our son Alexander had come over for her birthday and Seder and all that. And uh, I just love Alexander's comments that nothing says Passover like living through a plague. <laughs> That's right. Smart <laughs> yeah, <true>. boy. <laughs> Um, so speaking specifically about healthcare providers, what are the, some of the different methods being used or that you use to help them cope mentally with this crisis? Mm -hmm. good, good question. Um, really it's all about staying grounded, mm. right? Because again, these are really brilliant people and very dedicated. And, um, this is, this is what they've been training for their entire time but at times um, the outside world or the inside fear can get to us so it is really staying um, connected to the body and again getting grounded as I do almost every session with regardless if it's a healthcare provider or a grieving mother is to get grounded right and get resource because that resources us as human beings and then we can take the next appropriate step. So it's just, it's just, let's, okay, wait a minute. Let's slow it down. Right. Let's slow this down and really look at it. Let's really feel what this is like for you right now in, in the current moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, good. Good. That's a good reminder. And I do feel that now it took me, what, we're in our fourth week of shutdown. Uh, it's, I think this was the first week that I actually felt like, oh my gosh, I don't have to race against the clock to get something done. Yeah. 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 Well, we all thought, well, every closet in the house is going to get clean. Yes. I mean, yep. who wants yep. to do that? Right. Nobody. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we, if we wanted to do it, we would have done it when there wasn't a lockdown. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that kindness to yourself, right? It's that uh, let's, let's just boil. I think what's the, great news of this whole thing I'm, you know there's some really great news things around this but is that you you know let's really see what's important in life right yes yes what's this all we have a lot of accoutrements in our lives and then you know just boil it down right right and that is so important yes yes i i shared with my friend who hates to house clean and uh, <laughs> i shared something with her was something to the effect of, I always thought that if I had more time, my house would get clean. Well, that's not the reason. 
no, 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 no. I, I've never appreciated somebody more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, my person who helps me. <laughs> so, uh, typically, in most large healthcare organizations in the U.S., anyway, there's employee assistance programs, human resources, and so forth. But the culture of medicine is one that prizes strength and stoicism and stamina. And medical providers don't want to appear weak. Um, does this worry you? It's always worried me. Mm -hmm. It's always worried me. And it's also, it's also why I feel so dedicated to the work I do with, with providers is that um, I, I get it. They, they are the people we all turn to. We all hope they have the answers. We all uh, rely on them for our well-being. That's a lot of pressure. And, you know, um, one of my favorite stories is a, a, a physician or a surgeon I worked with, and he was having a little bit of trouble because he, uh, let's see, how do I want to put this? He, he didn't say hello that often. He wasn't that friendly right? Which is hard for other people. And he turned to me and said, Peggy, this is how it is. I go to bed. If, you, if it's your father that needs to have the operation in the morning, I say to myself, okay, well, I, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to go to plan B and I'm going to do this, this, and this. And if that doesn't work, it's plan C and D and so forth. And I, and he said, I go to bed and I wake up. I brush my teeth. I think the same thing again. A, B, C, D. I get, I kiss my family goodbye. I get in the car and I go through all of that again. And then on the way, I think of, all right, what about F? What should I do with that? Okay. And he said, that's when I'm walking through the door and everybody wants to say hi. And I'm still running through A, B, C, and D because I have to go save this man's life. Right. Yes. So that get, yes, yeah, and I, so that gets interpreted as stoicism, and that gets interpreted as, you know, not showing weakness, and it gets it's unfortunate this interpretation, because we don't wear the same shoes as each other. Right. Right. He didn't even know people were upset, because he's just thinking about my dad. He's gonna have an he's gonna have the operation with. So when he finds out that that's the case, mm -hmm. now what do you do with that, right? Yes. And that's why I think the work that I do and others like me is critical because I'm not attached to the hospital. I'm not administration. I'm not an EAP program. I'm totally separate from that. So there's no, it's all confidential. And there's some place to put it. Yeah. You don't, you're not going to go home and tell your spouse right. yeah. because yeah. that just adds to the load. And by the way, it's not important right now. Right. Right. But when you find someone you can confide in and talk through and think about when he told me that, I said, well, we still have the problem. Like you're walking through. So perhaps you could let them know you won't be talking. When you walk in. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in your surgery mode. So can we all just respect that? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that level of where, like, where can we find our commonalities? Mm -hmm. And that is that human part of us. And it's so important once we start uh, taking away the, the layers of the onion, if you will, mm -hmm. we're all just the same. Yeah. We need to be connected. We need to be heard. 
we need to be understood and in the moment like that's example you know we had a mission so understood wasn't the most important thing in that moment unless we're going to be in the operating room and I need you to do something as part of your job to save this man's life. Right. Right. Highly dedicated groups, really beautiful. Oh, wow. You know, and that makes all the sense too when you hear it that way, but uh, yeah. Um, so in the past few years, studies show that the mental state of physicians had broad repercussions. It affects not just the doctors themselves and their families, but also the quality of care patients receive. Uh, in fact, a recent article in the premier medical journal, The Lancet, contends that the emotional well-being of doctors is a major index of the quality of the healthcare system as a whole. Um, do you believe that a necessary part of any healthcare system or healthcare reform needs to include the mental health of the providers? And if yes, what does that look like? Or no? Well, it's a complete yes, right? <laughs> because there are other studies, right, that show that the more I connect with my provider, the more likely I will have a better um, physical outcome. I think it was, it was a, a study with some cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we know that that's got to be the case. And again, these people are human. These people have issues. They have family issues. They have... Um, you know, whatever all we all, we all deal with, pain, anger, grief, um, lack of joy, etc. So when those basic needs are not intact, which they can go off rail like for all of us in a heartbeat and have no place to turn, the end result will be poor patient care because you can't show up as your best self at your job. So how do you change that? Boy, you know, that's kind of been my mission in the last nine, 10 years, you know, of, of really paying close attention to the well-being of physicians, of having a, a provider. I mean, I'm calling myself the provider here, but that in, in, a, in a minute, when I coach with uh, physicians, they can call me whenever. I may not be able to get to them immediately, but we touch base because things are going haywire. Once we, once we create a relationship that they can trust, mm -hmm. right? Because remember, we're always trusting them. Who are they going to trust? Exactly. Who are they going to turn to? So the more that we can pay attention to that, I think the more efficient the healthcare would be mm -hmm. and the more accurate and the more, um, I'll say cohesive and collaborative. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, this is this is good to know. Um, so, I actually just read in the American Journal of Psychology um, some concerns being raised that so many people, not just healthcare providers, but people in general, going to their therapists or finding therapists to talk about state we're in whether it's grief or fear or whatever uh, or both um, and what concerns me when I read though that is who's going to help the therapist you're helping them have healthcare provider who's going to help you and those in your profession and what do you do to help you to do self-care well, I have a little routine because 
us humans like routines, right? So I, I do meditate, I do journal, and I do read uh, every morning. Um, but I also have uh, consult groups. Mm. So I have, I have several consult groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think, I, I, I just, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a little bit of a worry about distinguishing ourselves in categories, right? I think that's what I, when I, when I, I hear that, I go, well, well, I, you know, the same as you, <laughs> right? Yeah, yes, I know that what I'm hearing is a lot of times as a therapist, I can say, oh gosh, I can understand how that would feel. I can't imagine what it feels like, but tell me more. But as you tell me your grief or your pain or your fear, well, gosh, I have the same thing, right? So there isn't that distinction. But, you know, maybe that's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the beauty of it. And, And honestly, Elizabeth, every time that I work with the client, and we get grounded and we feel our bodies and we let gravity take over and we really, you know, slow the breath down, really get into the, the right arousal state, right? Or the optimal, really. Um, while I'm helping that person, I'm helping myself. I see. Wow. And so, I, I mean, we all know the old, you know, the 10 things you can take better care of yourself every day right and I try to do that and and most of the time I'm okay but but when I'm helping someone else and we do it together I mean I think that's the big message of this we we are in it we really are in it together so yeah my training makes it so I can do that but trust me I'm I'm also feeling very very healed and taken care of as I take care Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for this uh, today. Really appreciate it. And I would love if you wouldn't mind coming back another time and uh, on the show and talking some more about grief in the time of COVID nineteen. Um, and I, any, uh, I just I feel so reassured myself personally by what you just shared with with us. Um, is there any last words you would like? Last words is probably a bad choice of phrases, but <laughs> right now, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't, oh, that's a very good question. I guess, um, you know, I, I love the quiet that the world has has created, and yes, it's lovely. And I'm wondering, you know, how do we we got to get back on track? Of course, we're going to all try to do our best to do that, but let's not lose what these threads of reconnection to people maybe we haven't had for a while or the slowing down just a little bit. And like you say, you know, still not cleaning the house. Okay. You know, let's not judge that. Holy Toledo. That's just the truth of it. Let's just stay with the truth of it and not all the story that goes with it. Right. Well, thank you so much, Peggy. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. And we will also be doing a transcript of the, the call today in addition to the podcast. So thank you for sharing all that wonderful uh, information. You bet, you bet. Thank you to our listeners. And we will be back with another episode in the near future. Bye now.